0: Welcome to the Unfuck Your Health podcast, where we get into all things training, nutrition, mindset, and help you unfuck your health. I'm your host, Brevin Jandrew. Let's get
1: into it. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Roundtable. We've got Brevin and Chris here. What's up, guys? What up? How's everyone doing? Doing well. Doing well. So we have some really good questions today. I'm really excited to dive right on into these. Um, so let's just, let's not waste any time because I I think we could have enough time to get through these. Maybe all of them. We'll see. Uh, Depends how many rants Brevin goes on. (laughs) There's there's a a few. (laughs) we (laughs)
2: are going to get to the first question. That's about it. (laughs)
1: Um, no, actually question two, (laughs) but all right. So question one we have from Heidi, uh, Heidi asked, how does nutrition affect insulin resistance? I think you guys want to take that one first.
0: Yeah. So I I think first we have to understand kind of what that response is on like, I I feel like a lot of people use the term insulin, insulin resistance, and, and no one really understands what it actually means. So like the normal body response is you eat, your body breaks it down to glucose. It signals your pancreas to actually produce insulin. And then insulin helps shuttle glucose into your cells, muscle and liver. And then once it's in there and it's out of your bloodstream, Your pancreas stops producing insulin. Where the problem becomes is when you start, your cells start to become resistant to insulin. So once that happens, you start to produce more and more insulin to overcome that um, lack of sensitivity. And then once your cells become too resistant to it, that's when you have hyperglycemia, which over time leads to prediabetes, type 2 diabetes. And that's where the issue becomes. Now, the question is how nutrition affects it. I think this one is is – I'm really curious to see what you guys say on this as well. Um, the number one way to reverse this is to lose weight, is to not be overweight. That is the main thing that causes this issue. So yeah, I'll let you guys talk a little bit too.
2: No, I agree with you. I think it's – I think when – People hear this on insulin resistance, they just get like so extreme. And they just start to like, maybe even remove, like start cutting their calories way down or removing all the carbs out. Like, don't panic. Like, it's going to be okay. But like Brevin said, like losing weight, it's, you know, that's going to be the key component here. And, you know, Brevin broke it down to you in a, uh, maybe a sciency way. I'm not that intelligent as Brevin. Um, so I was like (laughs) looking, I'm like, you know, what is like an easy way to like understand this? And this is the easiest way that I actually found, um, through my own research. And it talks about like insulin just basically being like a key and it basically helps sugar enter our body's cells that gives us energy. Okay. But sometimes like Brevin was saying, those cells aren't very receptive. All right. So our body becomes resistant to that key. Like you ever put like a key in a door and it's just not working all that well. Stay with me. It's a little rusty. Yeah. It's a little rusty. (laughs)
0: It's
2: going to make sense. I promise. Um, So it's like the lock on that cell, like just doesn't work. So the sugar can't get inside. Okay. And this can make our body tired and just not work very effectively. That's like, Breaking that down at a very f- fifth grade level, uh, that's how I understand things. So,
1: Yeah, yeah and that's – so the next thing I would also add to that is that I think you also want to – I think where some people can run into issues, like obviously I agree with both of you guys and um, especially like brother mentioned, like losing weight is one of the best things you can do for this. But like from an actual nutrition s- perspective as well is like you're, you don't want a – if you're constantly shooting your blood sugar up really, really high all the time and just staying in that higher – Spot, it's going to have a little more trouble there as well. So you want to have like focus on like some complex carbohydrates, fiber, things that are going to help regulate your blood sugar. You know, make sure you get enough protein in, and just you know, low glyce- glycemic foods. Like things. And are I gonna think the not-
0: the, uh, the important point to add to yours right there is carbs aren't the reason. Carbs aren't bad. All the things you named are carbs. It's yeah, super processed carbs. Yes. Yeah. Continue. Yeah, a lot. All- <laughs>
1: All those really, really simple sugars like, you know, like, um, think, think about like, you know, candy, like um, not pasta, um, but like, um, like cereal, uh, cereal. Yes, yeah, zero. Exactly. Like pastries, things like that would have a lot of sugar in them. Like all of those are going to skyrocket your blood sugar over time as well. So if you keep getting those hits over and over and over again, you have nothing that's like
0: kind of leveling that blood sugar out. That's when you can run into some more issues. And, and so, I th- again, I think the important point to make there is it's not all carbs and those carbs aren't bad. But they have to be monitored and you can't just be eating those. That's all you're eating. You're eating three bowls of cereal a day. Like, okay, let's grow up a little bit. <laughs> let's eat some adults. <laughs> hey, nothing's food wrong here. with cereal. <laughs> hey, I, I love cereal. And I think the important poll here is what's your favorite cereal? Captain you got? Patrick Berries. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a that's good one. Left that's out of left field for me, to be honest. I, I'm, I'm not a
1: I haven't had Captain Crunch with berries in a long time. That's some good stuff. Although <laughs> it likes- peanut butter crunch.
0: Yes, it does. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm a Reese's guy. Oh, Reese's okay. Puffs. Yeah, yeah. That or are, are, uh, the Golden Grahams. Those are fire as well. Fruity Pebbles. Anybody? Anybody? I, I don't like those.
2: Oh, those are just, those are just crunched up Fruit Loops. Like, <laughs> like that's no, is.
1: they are not Fruit Loops. I'm not a fan <laughs> of Fruit Loops. <laughs>
2: <laughs> have you guys ever had the um you know graham crackers you make s'mores with so i break a whole pack of those put those in a bowl with some honey over it oh to die for you haven't lived
0: all right everyone's <laughs> got to let us know what your favorite cereal is that's yeah. right <laughs> all right Brevin, what's the what's the second question we got oh i actually i had one more thing i want to add here sorry of course uh, you do <laughs> yeah <laughs> So you, you talked about a couple ways to to reverse insulin resistance because it's not something that you're stuck with long term. Yeah. You can take steps to reverse it. You talked about fiber, which is amazing. Protein, which is amazing. Um, complex carbs, which is great. I think one of the most underrated things is working out, building muscle. Yeah. The more you work out, the more efficient your muscles become in uptake of glucose, the less that you have in your bloodstream. Work yeah. out. And-
2: <laughs> it's, it's all things that we we talk about. It, it's not like I said, not going to the extreme. Just get on a balanced approach, eating complex carbs, cutting out processed junk. Get on a good exercise program where you're building muscle. Like I said, just don't make these massive movements. And I feel like because we know what that goes to, like you know, yep. like cutting all your carbs, we know what that leads to. So. Um, and I won't go down that rabbit hole <laughs> I got <a> couple <laughs> yesterday on my post
0: on Facebook from, oh, you know, man, I, I, love love I love that
1: post. I love that. Oh, that's, Oh, it, it's not. Everybody did.
0: Yeah. Not hey, did. Uh-huh. That's all right. We're not going to make everyone happy, but I was very surprised. <laughs> yeah. I was very pleased that there was a lot of people on there. Be like, yeah, you know what? That I agree. <laughs> yeah. All right. I would
2: yeah. say 90% agree. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's all right. That 10% we'll get, we'll get to you. We'll get to you. <laughs> Um, Question number two from Amy M. No, it was Pamela. Oh, oh, Pamela. Pamela. Can't read. Reading's hard. (laughs) Uh, Amy's next. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Sorry, Amy. You had to wait a little bit. Um, Let's touch on V shred a bit. This guy talks about the three body types, ectomorph, endomorph, mesomorph. Is there any truth behind the body type you have dictating how easily or not one loses weight? Who wants to take this one? So Um,
2: I'll, I'll share my little input that I know about V shred. Um, I know that it's like very, a very basic workout plan. They give you meal plans and according to like things that I've looked into, I've never done V shred. I've never ordered V shred. Thank God. Uh, sounds like to me, like it's a waste of money. However, like they're putting you on specific meal plans, basically telling you like you have to stick to this. Um, it is like an app based thing with like their workouts are built out and it's their workouts. Um, are like a bro split. So they're very like, Oh, chest and tries one day and back and buys the next, which research has actually shown those workouts are, are, aren't actually the best for you. Like full body workouts are the best. um, As I'm talking to two power lifters. I say train Uh, like a power lifter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I've also like, it's a big marketing scheme too. From what I've seen is like, he's like, basically proclaiming that this is like new information this is groundbreaking stuff like nobody's ever heard this stuff and it's like dude this stuff is all over the internet if you look at it like he talks a lot about calorie cycling and things like that all of this is well known we do that stuff with our clients and stuff as well so um, just be careful as you approach this
0: so that was the nice way. V. Shred is going to say, Chris is so nice," <laughs> which I'm not. usually not. <laughs> that was the really polite way to say, "Stay away from it." He's an idiot. It's 2023. We're not having this absolutely groundbreaking information on how the human body works with fat loss. Like, sure, we might learn some things, but the cool thing about the human body is, between individuals, as much as you might want to believe, you're different you're really not. You are going to lose weight if you're in a calorie deficit. You're going to gain weight if you're in a calorie surplus. Your body type doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. but a calorie deficit will help. Eating healthy, eating whole foods, working out, those things are all really important, but it's really tied up in this really fancy marketing scheme. Just like how if you go to the grocery store, how many things say high protein that aren't high protein?
1: Yeah, I was actually just getting ready to like bring that up as well. Like, you know, I, I compare this to like supplements, you know, think about I always say like if something has to look all fancy, pretty, sound amazing, like if they have to spend a ton of stuff on their a ton of money on their like their marketing, the packaging, the way it looks. I mean, like I was just telling you guys before we hit record here, like how much like advertising does this dude, that's I, I where this guy spends all of his money in advertising because every ad on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, you're scrolling through and like, oh, there's each again. And like I don't think when of you guys are saying this I don't even like v shred so <laughs> I think it's just important to realize like if it takes that much marketing for you to c- convince you to do that, it's probably not the right
0: thing to do yeah but join our fat loss accelerator five thousand <laughs> <laughs> we'll put our ad in there somewhere <laughs>
2: right
0: we interrupt this message with an ad for the fat loss accelerator 5000 it, marketing does some crazy stuff man it, it uh, does I, marketing dictates everything yeah, the consumer yeah. it, awesome. it no for sure and you see like
2: all these drinks out there and having like you know boost your metabolism and Burns body fat. And like, I've literally had people send me screenshots. Like, how do you think this is going to work for my metabolism? I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like I could piss in a can and put booster <laughs> metabolism in it.
0: Like, I'm buy it.
1: So... <laughs> I mean, this just goes back to I me. Mean, look at like, um, I know bang energy I was got just trouble bang energy
0: got for super creatine. And yeah. like they got, they actually, I think there was like a lawsuit or something like that. Dude, with that. They lost millions of dollars yeah. in this lawsuit. I, I think mean, you can re- go to, how many things and look at this it's crazy
2: i think they actually redid their can because i bought one they yesterday did and i was like this looks different i didn't notice it like if it did say creatine or anything on it but yeah no they, they had creatine. to complete yeah
0: <laughs> yeah you bought the subpar one <laughs> yeah. wish.com bang energy
1: <laughs> awesome chris what's number three? Oh
2: gosh um all right. So what we got for number three from Amy, um, it was found after the show, The Biggest Loser. Many, if not most of the contestants, had a metabolism that was much lower than a regular person of the same weight. Do you think this was from the extreme dieting or because they had lower than average metabolisms to begin with? I'll let, um, I'll let Chase have that one on you,
1: actually. All right. So it's... It's going to come down to, I mean, like uh, any of the extremes. I mean, we both I think we can all agree on the biggest loser is super, super restrictive. Um, Like I've even like I remember um, I think I've told this story before, but if not, I'll say it again because I'm sure somebody has not heard this. But um, I popped on an Instagram live that some contestants were doing a while back, like right after the show was done with these two contestants were on an Instagram live together and I commented like how many calories you were eating a day and they weren't answering it. So I, I kept asking over and over and over again. Like and this finally, fucking guy. well, I, and I think actually, I don't even know if it was just that, I mean, there were like a ton of people asking questions. So I think it just kept getting lost. And so I was like, eventually they're going to see this or they're going to eventually just answer because they get tired <laughs> of it. Um, so they said they were eating a thousand to 1200 calories a day. Um, and num- now granted, these people are usually around like three, 400 pounds. At and so least. That, at least yeah so like that is super super restrictive and they're doing at least two workouts a day they're eating super low and i don't know I, there's just so much wrong with that show and Dude, I, if you I'm think not... about the biggest loser it was literally torturing fat people for entertainment it was crazy and <laughs> like... the bad thing is i used to want to be on that show
0: <laughs> so <laughs> well i mean you see these people like oh my gosh i lost 100 pounds you're like oh that's sick as hell i want to do that Mm -hmm, But then you watch it; it's like these people are crying because they're working out for seven hours a day and not eating. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, and and so when it comes to like the metabolism side of things, like I think it's just like. We all know that if you eat super, super low calories for a long period of time, it can eventually lead to some metabolic adaptation. But a lot of times, what probably the more side of it is like they've been so restrictive for so long. Now they just they can't maintain that. I mean, you can't maintain that for so long. They're they're super restrictive. They're probably living in a house where everything is 100 percent controlled. They can't eat. They can't overeat. Like they're not even allowed to overeat during that time. So, of course, you're going to have amazing results during that time. And so I think it's just important to realize like it's probably less about some of the metabolism metabolism side of things and more about they're bouncing back to their old habits immediately as soon as they're off the
0: show. Yeah. So. And we have to remember too that like when you lose a ton of weight, you're literally a smaller person. Like yes, your resting exactly. metabolic rate is going to be lower. And the, the funny thing about this study is it like it caused so many waves in the fitness industry when it first came out. I believe it was 2016 that it first came out. The author just came out last year with a revised, like, yeah, actually, what we said pr- might not be right. There's underlying mechanisms that are going to affect your RMR outside of metabolic adaptation. Like, exercising for seven hours a day is going <laughs> to dramatically do that. But you also, if you look at the study, it is a terribly written study. It is a terrible follow-up study. They say they followed them for six years. It was like, oh, six years later, hey, guys, we're going to call you up, and we're going to come weigh you again. Like, oh, my God, you're going to weigh me again. I'm going to go into this extreme diet again. What would you do? Like, Mm -hmm. if someone's like, you watched me get tortured on TV, now you're going to come here and see I gained 50 pounds again. I'm going to go in this extreme diet. Dieting, especially in an extreme fashion, like you said, is automatically going to make that RMR go down. So there's there's so many flaws and holes into this study, and it actually goes against all of the other literature we have on resting metabolic rate. When it comes to weight loss, you don't you aren't doomed if you lose weight to to just be eating drastically under what everyone else at the same body weight as you is. Literally, all of the other literature we have says the opposite of this study. Mm-hmm. What was the
2: ratio of the amount of people that like actually gained the weight back? Um, do you guys remember like? I don't know
1: the number, but I know it's super high. Most people, yeah. did get it back.
2: And it's, it's almost like, you know, people that win the lottery, right? Like you follow mm-hmm. up with them. That's what kind of rang my bell when Brevin was talking about that. I'm like, you know, they follow up like five years later and they're broke again. And it's like, because they haven't changed their financial habits. Like they haven't changed anything of it. their mindset about money. And it's the same thing with people like gaining weight back. It's like you haven't actually changed the lifestyle. You haven't changed your mindset around this new identity that you have. Um, but as far as like the metabolism goes, yeah, I think there's probably some metabolic adaptations and things like that. And that's why like we see people come into our program and, you know, I mean, we have people that are literally in phase one of our program for six months and they lose weight for that entire six months because it's like, you know, healing their body. Like there's so many things that actually we don't even know about metabolism. We're still finding out it's a very um, like it's a topic that's still there's a lot of information still coming out with. So um. Yeah, I do definitely agree with you guys on like could be some metabolic adaptations um, and things like that going on.
0: When I liked what you touched on too there is it was kind of an identity t- conversation where you give a, a person $500 million and a year later, they're going to find a way to be broke again because they changed none of their habits. They did nothing different. So they're going to find a way to end up at that same reality they were at before. Same thing with weight loss. You snap your fingers and someone loses 100 pounds. like mm-hmm. They're going to find a way back there because nothing actually changed. They're still that person and, and it's crazy to see that stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I always love asking. I've asked a question actually before on like Facebook and other social media and such about like, you know, if you could snap your fingers and wake up the next morning and be down, you know, fifty to hundred pounds, would you do it? And of course, everyone's like, yes, 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 yes. And I'm like, but what about the journey? Like, what about like learning more about like how did you get there? Because again, it all goes back to identity. And I think it's one of the most underrated things when it comes to weight loss is like that identity shift is required for you to be able to sustain that weight loss in the long run. What.
0: And I think part of it is like, it sounds almost like woo woo, like bullshit, but like there's so much reality in it. It's crazy. And if you don't change your identity to support the new you, you're going to find a way back to the old you. I think the
2: better, better question is, is do you have the system in place to sustain it once we do snap our fingers and lose the hundred pounds?
0: Well, and that like, goes back mm-hmm. to the marketing and the, like the consumerism is like, we want it now. We want everything yep. now quick. Yeah,
1: yep, For sure. Awesome. Number four, I haven't been tracking mustard because it's zero calories, but I realize sometimes if you have a couple of servings, it can have some calories in it. Should I be tracking that? And also, what about gum? Robin, what you got?
0: Yeah. So first of all, I do want to say I have started to actually become a fan of mustard in the past month. I have hated mustard my entire life, and for like three or four days in a row, I put mustard on everything. I feel like I've I like
1: raised you right because all these foods I've been able <laughs> to pickles and cottage cheese and all these foods yeah. that I never ate. <laughs> I finally got you to try them and get used to them. Yeah. We talk what about, about growing up.
0: I, I I've never tried that one, but I will. What's I that? I love Tuna.
1: Tuna. Oh, I haven't tried that one either.
2: Interesting. but My coach coach used to tell me, like, because I'm like, well, I'm going to put mayo and relish. And he's like, no, just put mustard at zero calories in my tuna. And I'm like, ah.
0: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I I put it on a a buffalo chicken sandwich and I was like, that's the only condiment I have. Actually, it was pretty good. So can't knock anything. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to answer the question, I think this is a really, really fantastic question. This is actually one of my clients, uh, my scholarship winner, Josie, shout out Josie, um, who asked this question. She's absolutely killing it right now. And I asked her if we could ask or talk about it on the show because I think it's really important. Um, this is where a lot of people go to when they look at like why you shouldn't track calories, because you can't track every single little calorie, every single little thing. And I I had the conversation with her about accuracy and precision. So right now she's in a dieting phase at 1700 calories. So I told her accuracy is hitting the bullseye on a dartboard every single time. That's 1700 calories. Precision is tracking and doing the same thing, consuming similar foods at a similar eating schedule, doing everything consistently, what we talk about all the time. Maybe you're hitting 1765 for your calories instead of that 1700. But if you're doing that consistently and you're not losing weight, we can make an adjustment to that we can bring it down. Maybe you think you're eating 1656 or whatever I said, that number. Um, but at the end of the day, you're losing weight. So we know that you're in a calorie deficit and that's really what matters. We have to get less married to the numbers. So long-winded answer to say, no, I would never have you track those things because at the end of the day, that that's losing sight of what our main focus is, if you're doing that, you're going to become super overwhelming and, and very disordered, I think, at the end of the day. If you're like, well, the spray butter that I, I use or like the spray on my pans, like I have to track that, like there's no way you're going to be able to sustain that. As long as we know that like tracking is a is a tool and it's not 100% accurate, but that doesn't mean that calories aren't accurate or anything like that. Calories are still extremely important and the only reason you're losing weight but this is just a way to to do this and create that precision that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I
2: think it's also important to know that food labels are allowed up to 20% error and still go on the shelf. So like uh, if like the food label's not even perfect why am i going to ask my clients to be absolutely perfect with their tracking exactly tri-game?
0: that's why exactly. i always
2: give our clients ranges you know like if i give you 1700 calories and as long as you're in that 1600 to 1800 range yep. by the end of the week it's all going to average out protein same thing 20 grams here you know a buffer and then you know fats maybe i give like you know 5 to 10 buffer on that just cuz they're 9 calories per per uh, 9 9 calories per gram <laughs>
1: Yeah. No. And that's something that I, there's a lot of things like that. And I just tell clients it's like also like, you know, cause I think one of the biggest things we always hear from some of our clients when they first start tracking, if they're new to tracking is like, it just takes so much time. So like, one thing I'll start telling them is like, don't track all the zero calorie things. Or if it's like, you know, I've had clients, you know, it's like, Oh my, my black coffee has five calories. I'm just like, don't even track it. Like it just don't stress yourself over that. Because again, like Chris said, you know, and Brevin as well, like, the, the nutrition labels themselves are going to be off a little bit. And at the end of the day, like it all comes back to, are you seeing progress? Great. If you are, that's awesome. You know, and there's just some things like, you know, for example, like my coffee creamer, like I, I definitely track. Tra- I was tracking it for the longest time. And now it's like, you know what? I'm just gonna take hundred calories off my daily calories today. That way I'm not like stressing about like how much am I logging here? They're like, again, so it like, gets, it's being accounted for, but it's just like, I don't have to worry about logging coffee creamer every single morning when I'm having my coffee. So I think it just comes down to like not overstressing
0: the little tiny things and be more focused on the bigger things right forest for the trees And what you do, uh, I literally will have like, I use the same coffee creamer and I will just put the same amount every single day with my breakfast. Or if I use, you know, how much sauces on stuff I use, I track like four servings of barbecue sauce of the G Hughes and just throw that in there anytime I use it. So I'm not actually weighing it out. I just know that it's I'm accounting for it because it does add up to 20 to 40 calories. But like at the end of the day, don't get married to the actual number. Yes, calories matter. Don't use that as your argument to not track calories. <laughs> um, that's not what we're saying. But like the precision of what we're doing versus the accuracy of what we're doing matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Brevin, what's the next question we got? When do you know you need to change the amount of calories you're consuming after losing weight? This is uh someone from my group, Tarsha, I believe I'm saying that right. She's actually from Australia. Um, Nice. I was talking to her about our trip. Uh, (laughs) Can we go back? (laughs) Right. So I asked for a little bit of context on this question as well. Um, So when she asked this question, it was, when do you know you need to change the amount of calories you're consuming after losing weight to continue to lose weight? Okay. So basically, like, I'm
1: going to use the word that we all, you know what I mean, but like uh, when you hit a plateau, basically. Yes. Is that what she's referring to?
0: She's, I think we, I think we should touch on the plateau part, but my interpretation was, do you need to continue to push calories down even if you're seeing progress? But I think we should touch on both parts. Okay. okay. I
2: was doing it as like, she like if you lose weight, do you need to recalculate like your deficit calories? Yeah, and
0: that, that's why I was making sure I, I was like, okay. can I have a little bit of context on that, but I think we should touch on the plateau part of it. When, what happens when you plateau and do you need to continue to drop your calories to see progress? All right. let's right, go ahead. And no,
1: I'll let you, I'll let you take that one.
0: Um. So there's obviously a, so many factors. I
2: feel like that need to be touched on if we're gonna like you know go increasing calories or decreasing calories even more. And it, I think you know starting out, it's like what are what are the calories that you're currently at? If you're you know let's say you're losing weight and you're eating 1,200 calories, I would definitely not go lower than that because you're you know metabolic adaptations. You're going to adapt at a thousand calories and so on and so forth. Um, and if you do that for a long long enough period of time. So there are certain instances where you actually need to go up in calories and we call that like reverse dieting. Um, so it really depends on your biofeedback. And like, I think it's defining what a plateau actually is. Some people are like, Oh, I'm at a plateau. And they've like mm-hmm. literally been at the same weight for a week or three days, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I always tell my clients, you know, or people in our group, if you're at the same weight for like four or five weeks. And you're in a deficit maybe it's time to start looking at some other things maybe three weeks if you know if everything's checking out um so just know like that's the definition of a plateau it's not just like four days or a week um but monitor your biofeedback like how's your energy are you looking at all forms of progress as well are you looking at your inches maybe the scales staying the same but you you're losing inches and you're you're seeing a difference in your your progress photos but and I, I love I love reverse dieting to get people out of plateaus Um, and it can be as little as a diet break. It can be like a three day diet break where you just go back up to your maintenance or it can be a longer period of time. I think it's just so depending on and that's the privilege of I think working with working with somebody or if you know your body enough, you can do it on your own.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's important just to realize like, you know, like again, like touching on like how long have you actually been there? And have you been consistent at that period of time for three weeks, right? Like, have you actually had the right amount of calories for three weeks? Have you been getting your steps in? Have you been water drinking your water? Have you been getting your sleep? Is your stress under control? Like, you know, are you maybe like, is it what's your cycle? If you're a woman, like, what's your cycle in the middle of this? Like, there are many, many, many things we need to be looking at first, before we can actually classify that as a quote, unquote, plateau. Most of the time, it's usually adherence and consistency starts to slack off a little bit during that time. So that's when, you know, like Chris, like you said, like a diet break could be super helpful. It's just like, sometimes like diet breaks aren't always just for physical reasons. Like a lot of times, most of the time, I'd say they're even more so for those psychological reasons and allowing yourself to have that break in time where you're not focused so much on dieting. And you can actually, you know, not have to stress about food, not have to worry about, you know, being at such low calories for such a long period of time, like just focus on being able to eat at maintenance, have a little extra freedom there, have some foods that you liked. Maybe you feel like you've been trying to slip here and now every once in a
0: while when you're in a deficit and then you can go back into a deficit after some period of time. Yeah, for sure. I think you guys touched on plateau really well. If you're not, consistency does slip a lot and that's where most people go wrong is they're like, ah, you know what? You're actually right. I haven't actually hit my calories in a week. And like, okay, so (laughs) I'm not actually in a plateau. But like you guys (laughs) said, if you're in in a true plateau for like, Two, three, four weeks and like, okay, let's make an adjustment. Um, I want to take it from the other side of this question um, where I thought she was going originally with it was if you make like your initial calorie deficit, let's say, for example, 1700 and you're losing weight, do you need to continue to drop those calories to lose weight? And I think that's a really good question because so many people are like, let's drop, 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 because if I, if I'm losing weight at 1700, I'll lose more weight at 15, I'll Mm -hmm. lose more weight at 12. But the goal of fat loss isn't to lose the most amount of weight on the least amount of calories. It's to lose weight eating the most amount of calories. That's how you're going to keep it the most sustainable and you're actually going to feel good while you're doing it. If you Mm -hmm. can consistently lose weight at 1700 calories, you're going to feel way better than losing maybe a little bit more weight at 1200 calories that you're probably not going to sustain anyways. So if you're continuing to lose weight, there's no need to make a calorie adjustment. If you aren't losing weight and you end up in a plateau, then what the other guy said, do those things. But you don't have to continue to push it down. Ideally, that first calorie deficit that we give you, number, that first number that we give you is going to continue to lose weight. But these numbers, we have to be reactive with them and we have to say okay how is your body responding like chris said where's your biofeedback at how are you feeling and are you actually in a plateau if that is the case awesome let's let's drop them or if you're not in a plateau awesome let's continue to build that consistency if you are in a plateau an actual plateau then maybe we need to make an adjustment down 100 calories and see where that happens but don't just drop them to drop them yep Yep,
2: love that yeah, I, I think you're right on Brevin. I think it's also, you know, like w- what's the original calories you set at, like I was explaining before, because, you know, you don't want to go down too far because, and then like a diet break, getting you back up to your maintenance could be like 900 calories where you're reversing up back up. And it can be a lot where for us, like I love that like 300, 500 range. Cause it's, a, it's an easy transition to just take that diet break, go back up to your maintenance calories for a period of time. Um, instead of like eight, 900, that could be a lot of extra food for that person. If they're used to eating at 13, 1200 calories.
1: Mm-hmm, for sure. Awesome. Well, guys, anything else to add to that? I mean, we have, I know we have one more question, but we are now at 30 minutes. So anything else for me, guys? I think that's it. I think we nailed it. All right, well, guys, well, we have one question for the next Q and A. So, if you guys want to hear some more than that, other than us just you know talking about cereal and everything else, (laughs) I suggest we will do that though. (laughs) I Um, suggest you guys. um, Yes, it was. (laughs) Um, Now I want cereal. (laughs) Um, I would encourage you guys to go drop us a question in the Q and A in the link down in the show notes. We love answering your all's questions. Like this is like probably like one of my favorite. Like I love doing these podcasts Mm -hmm. just because. You get to break down these topics, you know, and in a day and age we live in, you know, with these like reels and TikToks, you know, have 30 seconds to explain something like we all know that that's not near long enough to be able to explain like what we really want to. So I love this podcast
0: and a 100%. This is the best part of the week is when we get to talk in depth about the questions that you guys have. We get to give you guys 100% answers from three coaches on anything that you have a question about training, nutrition, mindset, or cereal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and feel free to, if you guys don't want to go to that, the show notes, just send us a message. I don't, we don't care how you do it. Yeah, just get for us sure. some questions.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah. I know, Brevin, you do it as well. And we do as well. Like post, you know, we ask in the group all the time, every week, you know, what questions you guys have. And like, that's a great place to just like drop your questions and um, especially even clients. I know a lot of our clients listen to this as well. And, you know, we love answering your questions and breaking them down further on here as well. So even if you're a client, please ask a ton of questions. Like we love doing that as well. All right, guys. Well, that is all we have for this week's episode of the Coaches Roundtable. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. As always,
0: I want to thank you for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast. If you enjoy the show and find it helpful, I'd love if you would share it on your story so I can thank you for listening and leave a five-star rating review to help the podcast grow and allow me to impact more lives. As always, feel free to reach out with any questions or anything and anyone that you want to see on the show. Thanks again for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast.